Several years ago, we searched for dragon hordes. Then apocalypse, princes came aboard. Next came demons' rage and demogorgon's might. Then the mist brought us to play. Oh, much to Strahd's delight. Oh, D and D, D and D, rolling D twenties, looking for a great big crit to beat our enemies. D and D, D rolling D twenties, devils, dragons, beholders under the Christmas tree. A day or two ago. The ground gave quite a quake. The giants made their move to plunder and to take. Meanwhile, a curse arose, killing all who died. Aserac collecting souls to walk the godly side. Oh, D and D, and D, rolling D twenties, looking for a great big crit to beat our enemies. D and D, and D, rolling D twenties, devils, dragons, beholders under the Christmas tree. Now water deep is grand, and under mountains weird, a hidden vault of gold, a mad mage reappeared. To Baldur's Gate we go, for evil is afoot. Elturels in Avernus, these words are gobbledygook. Oh, D and D, D and D, rolling D twenties, looking for a great big crit to beat our enemies. D and D, D and D, rolling D twenties, devils, dragons, beholders under the Christmas tree. Devils, dragons, beholders under the Christmas tree. Ready to get down with some D and I know I am. I am joined as I am always joined by the magnificent, marvelous, Merry Christmasing Mad Wizard Merwin. What's up, Sean? Merry Christmas and Happy New Year and Happy Holidays and all that stuff to everyone out in D and D land. Christmas, Kwanzaa, Hanukkah, Festivus, Kwanzaa, Festivus. Yes. If we missed anything, sorry. We we do not want to have feats of strength going on right now. Feats? Is that a thing? That's a Festivus thing. Oh, is that a Festivus thing? Yes. I, I actually am not a really big Seinfeld fan, so I'm not really sure. Okay. Yes. And and the airing of grievances we usually do throughout the year, so we don't have to do any more of those. Yeah, I mean, we air grievances about D&D constantly, mm-hmm. so, you know, it's fine. Actually, you know, we've been pretty good about that lately. We haven't had many, many grievances. No, our grievances are usually, uh, are usually pretty analytical and well-supported by fact. We hope so. That That's the idea, right? Yep. <laughs> All right. So this is the last show of 2019, right, buddy? It is. It is. And so in honor of the last show of 2019, we are going to do some different things. Uh, we're going to interrupt our talk about the Descent into Avernus book and talk a little bit about our gaming resolutions for 2020 and then talk about new players and low-level play because we yes. had some questions about those uh, on our forums. Mm-hmm. Um, 
So we're not in our normal format. But as soon as the new year starts, we will be back to delving into the descent into Avernus. And giving you news and highlights of everything happening in D&D. So uh, first thing, thank you everyone who listens to us. We greatly appreciate it. It's one of the reasons why we keep doing this, because we love being able to talk to you folks out there in listener land. Yep, we love talking about D&D, thinking about D&D, playing D&D, and we want everyone out there to enjoy the hobby as much as we do. So if there's ever anything that we can do to help enhance your delight in D&D, let us know, because we want to facilitate that as much as we possibly can using this show or our other uh, means of contributing to the hobby. Absolutely. I mean, Sean has many, many means to contribute to the hobby these days. I am constantly working on improving myself, for sure. <laughs> is, is, is that what you call that when you're like, Chris, I'm dying? <laughs> yeah, pretty much. My eyes are bleeding. Send me, send me, send me some sort of drink that may may uh, be a libation for my my pain. Yes, that is what I call yeah, looking to improve. <laughs> Sorry, oh. we might be a little punchy. It's only two days after our last recording, and it's, it's uh, you know in the evening for once. Yeah. All right. So, uh, what's the first thing we're talking about? Our so, gaming resolutions. Is that yeah. what we're doing? So, I'd like to talk about D and D gaming resolutions, and and we can go back and forth and and chat just a little bit about what we're looking forward to in 2020. 2020. Can you believe it? I know 2020. It's a big big year. Big yeah, year 2020. It will be. So we have one more day in 2020 than we normally do, which we should use for gaming. I I agree with you. Mm-hmm. I mean, so here's my question. Since there's that extra day, yes. instead of just taking that day to play more games, can we just like take those 24 hours and break them up into playing more games over those 24 hours? I think we I think that's okay too. And it's also Christopher Perkins' birthday on C- leap year day. He's a leap year child? Yes, he is. Wow. Yeah. So, we'll we'll call this the year of Chris Perkins as if every year in D&D isn't the year of Chris Perkins. So, like, is he, like, 12 years old then? Pretty much, yeah. Yeah, that's about right. It yep. seems, seems, seems reasonable and logical. Yep, he is a young, young man. Hmm. All right, so with, uh, with that little bit of tidbit of knowledge of trivia, uh, what are some of your 2020 gaming resolutions, D&D resolutions slash gaming resolutions? I mean, this one is probably going to be obvious, the first one, but mine is to, to play more D&D. Uh, not only play more D&D, but play and read more from other game systems. Because as we've talked about, you know, the more knowledge you have of games in general, the better you can understand how and why D&D works the way it does and either get more enjoyment out of it because of that or look for ways to improve like your, your playing or your DMing or your, your creating of D&D content by understanding different mechanics and different ways to run a narrative game and different ways that narrative and mechanics you know, come together. All of that is great knowledge to have. And since I may be teaching a class in game design, I really want to, uh, to look more at, at the game and at other games. So let's, let's do this for real. And we can look at, back at this next year around this time. Okay. Um, what is the action that you think you'll have you'll have to take to say that you succeeded at doing this thing oh oh we're gonna break this all the way down all right so what the action i will have to take is to play or run at least four role-playing games other than D. all right all right we, we can even do it like a mid a mid-year uh yeah. check-in to see if we where, where we're at for these things too mm-hmm. 
So player run four games. I'm writing this stuff down, everybody. He, we'll, we'll, he's literally yep. typing it into our show I'm notes. Typing into so, our show notes because they, they get saved. Like there's yeah. an archive of them. So no, no pressure here or anything. Player run four games non D and D. Yep. That's a good. That's a good. Good solid one. All right. Cool. Yep. Uh, do, do you want me to do one? I would love you to do one, Chris. Uh, I should probably go grab it because I put them in the back end for the sneak attack, which uh, is silly. We'll do something else for the sneak attack this week. We'll right. figure it out. Yep. We'll figure it out. We always do. This is one of those one of those freeform flowing shows. Uh, mine is run more D and D games in public. That's my first one mm-hmm. because I am not very good about being out and about with the people in Western New York when there's where there's tons of D and D being played. Mm-hmm. But I'm I'm very bad at that, and I've just recently started doing it again. So um, for that, I would say uh, I would to at least run one game in public a month oh, for the next twelve months. That's that's very reasonable. And if you end up running the Oracle of War campaign, that pretty much fits that bill. Yeah, I agree. And I've already sort of uh, well, well, this is this month was my warm up month. I've been running on Thursdays, or playing at least playing or running on Thursdays. Mm-hmm. It's funny because I think I need to kind of do the opposite. Is most of the games I run are public, you know, organized play or published things. I would almost prefer to start running stuff that I create like more ad-libbing or more running stuff from notes rather than a fully formed adventure. Yeah, that um, kind of stuff is where you learn where you get a lot of uh, like new ideas and design things going on because for sure. you're trying you can, you have the freedom to try so many more things than you normally wouldn't. Yeah. So anyway, I think that's a great uh, resolution, Chris. Nice. So what's another one of yours? So a second one is to try to help people who are interested in playing, DMing, or creating uh, meet their goals. So, you know, if people are non-players who want to play, I want to find a way to help them find a game. If you're a DM and you're interested or you're interested in DMing, I want to find a way to help people who are, like, new to DMing um, gain more skill or more confidence in, in what they're doing. And if you're a creator, I want to find ways to, to, you know, to, to just bring more, more and more people into the hobby. And what do you think would be an actionable thing for that? Uh, I mean, you already do a lot of this, buddy. Yeah, and I just I want to continue along that path. Maybe reaching out to to new in new areas, um, you know, because like you know, I'm I'm doing the articles on D and D Beyond, which hopefully is helping people who write adventures. Um, but I I, I want to help uh, in other ways. I'm not sure actionable. Um, you also do this show. Yeah. Oh, that that's very true too. Um, so let's it, say... And you're also going to be teaching a game design class. Yeah. Okay. I feel, yeah. I feel like you're already doing it, and you're just going to continue to do it. Right. Uh, let's say um, to to answer uh, questions in new avenues. So let's say uh, reach out more on Twitter, Facebook, forums to find... Uh, new new pockets of people to bring into the the uh, hobby. All right. I, uh, I, I punched that in there. Cool. We will we'll check in to see if that's working. All right. Or if, there was some, or if some other new avenue has popped up for you. Mm-hmm. All right. Um, for me, it's publish more D&D-related stuff. Mm-hmm. Like, things that I've actually worked on and written. So, okay. like, we did the Streets of Avalon this past year. Yeah. And that was fun. And I'll probably still be working on some more of that stuff with Brett. So that'll that'll be one avenue of that. But... Um, hopefully I can, I can, uh, you know, publish some more, uh, 
I don't know, like Eberron type stuff or things like that. That's that's what I want to do. Mm-hmm. So I guess uh, for me that would be like three small products or one large product. Okay. Up on the DM scaled? Yeah. Okay. That's very reasonable. All right. What's your next one? Uh, my next one is I want to make the Oracle of War campaign the best campaign it can be based on the parameters that have been set for the campaign. Um, you know, actionable, this is just, you know, this is going to be an internal thing, right? To, as in my role as the resource manager, just, you know, make sure that we want this concise, tight, narrative-driven campaign to really resonate with people who like that sort of campaign where things that happen in the first adventure are going to be important six adventures down the road. Um, You know, where you really feel like the decisions you're making as a player are important to the story that's being told. So to me, that would be like, are people talking about the campaign in a positive way based on those kind of ideas? Like the buzz about the campaign is good. Yeah. I, I think that would be, that would be fair. All right, cool. Um, I, I probably have some other ones that are not necessarily D and D focused. Mm -hmm. Uh, I am working on a game right now and hopefully I would like to have a playable version of it out for people by the end of the year. Okay. So that is a, that is not a D and D game. That is a game that is, uh, tentatively called the black corner at the moment. And uh, that that is another one of my my I suppose gamer gamer goals for the year is to have that um, done to the point where it is ready to be uh, like kickstarted or published or something like that. Mm-hmm. That's... And I don't mean like the book laid out and things like that, but the right. all the rules and the text is done. That sounds that sounds totally reasonable. All right, do you have any other ones? The only the last one I had was before the end of the year. I would really love to be heavily involved in a D and D focused Kickstarter. Um, that does something with the the previous goals that I've mentioned, such as you know helping new players, um, new DMs, new creators. Um, so I don't know what that would look like. I don't know if it would be like an adventure or a resource book or more uh, more like a how to or all of the above, something like that. Um, because you know I'm involved in Kickstarters tangentially, I'm you know contributing, editing things like that, but I really haven't sat down and been the driving force behind one, and I would really love to. Yeah, we haven't we haven't done the Sean Merwin Kickstarter. No, because the the Streets of Avalon, while it's Brett's, it was totally my idea. So right, I totally get that. Like I totally drove that thing. So we'll find out which whatever the the Sean Merwin driven Kickstarter is, right? Yeah, yeah because I've like I'm editing for some of the Alligator Alley. Um, the Forbidden Tome, the Forbidden Library, um, some of their Espergenesis stuff I've been editing and I've contributing to Cobalt Press, some of their Kickstarters. But I'd love to sit down and design one and, and really think it through and and do something that I would like to do. Oh, nice. That'd be cool. Yeah. Uh, I guess my last one, because this is my last one, would mm-hmm. be to take the... Uh, so the FM Gamers is the actual play podcast that mm-hmm. I am currently the game master of. Dungeon Master of, we're playing a version of Spelljammer, and I would hope to launch a uh, a Patreon for that particular project and have it be moderately successful by mm-hmm. the end of the year, and that would be like, it's raising like 300 bucks or more um, a month. Okay. 
So that would be the other thing. Uh, hmm. And that would come with all the cool little little things that people get from it. Sounds sounds good. This has turned into an actual thing here that we that we're actually writing stuff down. This is uh this is cool. Yeah, right? Now we can look back at it to see if we did any of these things. This takes me back to my project management days here. I, oh wow! Sorry, man. That's it's, not what I was okay. going for. No, I was going okay. for the fun, the fun side of it. It's okay. The, the whiskeys I've had are taking care of any anxiety about that. <laughs> As he actually drinks water, it's hilarious. Mm-hmm. But that's because he had the whiskey beforehand. You, you assume it's water. Yeah, we're celebrating here tonight. We this are? is a celebration of D and D and us. Yep, this is the holiday uh, show. All right. Um, so that's our our our. Gaming resolutions for 2020, and I guess I'll just recap them real quick. So Sean's was play more D&D and play and read more games from others. Uh, Try to help people who are interested in playing, DMing, or creating stuff. Make the Oracle of War campaign the best campaign it can be based on the parameters that have been set up for the campaign. And before the end of the year, offer a and d focused Kickstarter that does something with the previously mentioned goals. Mm -hmm. For me, it's run more D&D games in public, uh, publish some more D&D-related stuff, uh, finish a game called The Black Corner and uh, make the, the FM gamers financially successful. Sounds like if we could even do three of the four of these uh, We'd have a pretty good year. We'd, we'd have a very good year, I think. Solid year, yeah. Mm-hmm. All right, let's get into our topic. It's called the hodgepodge because we're going to do a couple of things that we mentioned mm-hmm. earlier. So let's talk about low-level D&D. Yeah. Because I had some experiences recently playing some like first-level D&D in, in AL play. Mm-hmm. But I also want to talk about it from the home game side of things and the AL side of things. Yep, and, and I've been thinking about this a lot in terms of bringing new players into the game, especially through the Oracle of War campaign. And so, well, Chris and I, I think, Chris would agree that we're experienced DMs and players. We've been doing this for a long time. God, I hope so. And we recognize that low-level play isn't always uh, the best way for experienced players to enjoy a game. Um, sometimes low level doesn't have the excitement that they want and so on. So many groups with experienced players might start at like level three or level four or even level five or even higher. Uh, low level play, however, can be very important if you're trying to bring in new players and we have more new players or players who want to experience the game for the first time, uh, than at any other time in the history of the game. Therefore, as our last show of the year, uh, we want to talk about the two topics that Chris mentioned, one being low-level play, the second being special events that can really blow players' minds about the potential fun of D&D, things like interactives or epics or specials or opens, things of that nature. Mm -hmm. So first, let's talk about low-level play, Chris. Why don't you get us started? Sure. Let's start on the home game side of things because mm-hmm. I, this is where like introducing new players, um, playing it, playing it in your house, things like that. Uh, we'll look at it from a couple of different points of view. We've we've mentioned a few of them already. So like, let's talk about new players playing in your in in the home game at home, right? Mm-hmm. Like, it's a nice, easy way to get in because you don't have any restrictions uh, on a lot of a lot of the stuff that you do when you're playing out in a public space. Not mm-hmm. that there's a, that many restrictions really on AL play, but there are some guidelines, right, that you have to follow. Mm-hmm. Right. But you can kind of do whatever you want in your home game, um, especially if your game master, dungeon master is experienced. So uh, it allows for you to have not a lot of widgets to play with on a character, mm-hmm. which is the nice thing about low-level play, and lets people experience the idea of storytelling. Mm-hmm. Um, and 
they will often try things because that, that's been my experience, especially with people that don't play a lot of games mm-hmm. is they will try things because they're like, oh, we can do whatever we want. So they'll mm-hmm. like, well, how do I do this? Like, this is the thought that I have. Um, I'm going to go do this. And then the game master, if they're if their experience can can adjudicate that stuff. Right. And it's fun because it's open and it's pretty free form and you can get a lot of that kind of play out of al stuff but that is in a public space usually mm-hmm. and uh it's m- might not be with people that you know so it can be a little bit different as far as like how you feel about trying and suggesting ideas right i want to i want to restate what you said in a in a different way just so sure. just so it resonates yep when you have new players who may, maybe don't know the rules yet let their narrative drive your teaching of the game as they decide what they want to do, let them say, I, I want my character to do this. Then you translate that into the rules and present to them the rules version of what they've said. Because what that's doing is that's teaching the players to play in a way that makes the most sense to them in terms of the translation between story and, and rules. Mm-hmm. And... Don't get overly pedantic too soon. Um, get the idea of the back and forth between the player and the DM and slowly add rules. If you try to teach every rule right from the start of a game, um, it could get problematic because then you are you're taking away the story and you're just piling rules on. Mm-hmm. And that's not to say that rules aren't important. But rules can come later. Story is something that needs to be there to catch the imagination of most of your player base. Like, here's an interesting idea for everybody out there, and I've experienced this. Um, when you start playing a game with people that don't know how to play or have never played before, all you have to say is, like, you are this character. Like, here's your concept. Mm-hmm. Um, or tell me about your concept. And we're going to start playing, and I will teach you the game as we go. Mm-hmm. And the interesting thing is, is like the rules that come up through play will be the ones that you teach, and it becomes like this intuitive thing where, as you're going along, the things that are actually important to the game will arise. Mm-hmm. And that is a it's a really good way to teach because you're not just telling them something; you're actually they're actually getting to do a thing, then understand how the rule works with the thing that they're doing. Mm-hmm. It's a really good teaching method. I, I've used it a number of times when right. uh, when teaching new players how to play D anD. d Yep. Uh, that doesn't mean you don't have to. You could tell them the one thing, like, "Look, this game is about rolling a d twenty and adding a number to try to overcome a target number," and that's kind of how you do stuff. Yep. And uh, but but after that, like, you could just start playing as long as they understand, like, "Oh, they're an elf thief, so they steal stuff or they backstab things or whatever it is." Right? Like, yeah. you're a wizard, like you have these spells. Like, that's a little bit more complex, but there's not that many spells usually right. at first level, so it's not that hard. Right. Start with just one cantrip and, you know, let let them use that. Mm-hmm. Now, I want to talk about a different version of low-level play, not for new players, mm-hmm. just for anybody who's playing. Right. Now, there, in, in my opinion, I think there's, like, probably two methodologies that you can go with when you're playing the game. Mm-hmm. You can play it for the story, which means our, we're going to play this game, and even though you're first level... The goal isn't to see you see you die or see if you survive a situation. The goal is to see how interesting the story can be as you're playing through this scenario. Mm-hmm. Uh, that means you're probably going to not... You're probably going to, as the game master, the dungeon master, you're going to 
take off the reins on trying to murder characters. Like, right. if you see something bad about to happen, like, you do what you can to help them. Then you can just play it if you want the other way, which is like, we're going to play this straight. And if you die, you die. And that's when you have to take the role of a, of an, a try to take the role of an impartial adjudicator. Mm-hmm. And that's okay. If you talk about your game, that's what you want to play to begin with. That, that feels a lot like there's a game out there called Dungeon Crawl Classics. Um, the, the, the funnels, like first level D&D can feel a lot like a funnel, mm-hmm. but you only got one character. So like, that's also a legit way to play. Uh, sure. If everybody's on board with it and cool with it. And then the idea is like you have to be as descriptive and uh, presenting as possible about the situations so that characters understand what's going on so they don't feel like they're being cheated when they get murdered. Mm-hmm. So that's that's just the thing you have to think about as a, as a dungeon master. Like you can't give half-assed descriptions. Um, they have to know what's kind of around them. You have to be very good about presenting scenes. Yep. Now, now as a DM and as a creator of of D&D content for players. One thing to remember about low level, especially first level, there is no such thing as a too easy combat. Um, you're, especially if you have new players, they could be murdered by two goblins um, at, at first level. Just if the dice rolls go, go awry, you know, in two rounds, six players could be pretty much destroyed by two goblins. If the, if, you get a couple of crits, you know, if they roll poorly, you, it's just it's just the way it goes. So don't feel like you need to up the challenge for like first and second level characters because you don't. Uh, anything could turn into a a difficult combat. And that doesn't mean you don't have to that doesn't mean you can't make it fun and interesting. Mm-hmm. Like just because it's low level D&D doesn't mean it shouldn't be wondrous and whimsical also. Or right. whatever whatever your theme is, horrific, whatever the theme is you're going for, mm-hmm. it can still be all that stuff. Right. I mean, you could be, your dungeon could be set inside of a hollowed out crystal cavern, right? Like with light refracting all over the place. Yeah. I mean, there could be uh, light refracting goblins inside of it. You know, it doesn't, that doesn't mean you can't have those those fun, interesting locations. And so, so, you know, focus a lot on the story and on the experience rather than on the quote unquote challenge. Yes. Yes. I'm with you. Right. If that's, if, yeah, especially for, for new players or if you're playing for the story of things. Mm-hmm. Yep. Uh, just, you know, because if you have a new player or, or, you know, even even experienced players and the very first combat you kill everyone and then you say, well, okay, let's roll up new characters and let's do this again chances are good that the enthusiasm level will be lower than if you get them through those first couple of levels with exciting and memorable stories. Yeah, like, I got murdered by a ward on a door at first level. Mm -hmm. Let me tell you, that wasn't exactly thrilling. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it's... Yeah, I almost TPK'd a party of six players with three goblins. Yeah. uh, many, Many times. Not not thrilling, right? Like no. it's like well, yeah, not thrilling at all. Uh, okay, let's talk about Adventures League play. Uh, okay. Some of the stuff is the same, yeah, but there's some extra rules. Mm-hmm. So, to me, in AL play, death, especially at first level, is pretty much meaningless. It's not completely meaningless because there's some rules surrounding it. Mm-hmm. Uh, at second, third, and fourth level, it's a little bit more meaningful, and then after that, it's a lot more meaningful because it costs you money to resurrect yourself. Mm-hmm. But uh, here's the rule I want to throw it out there. It's called faction charity. So mm-hmm. that's like if you're a character of first, first through fourth level and a member of a faction, 
um, a member of a faction or a, or a patron from the faction ensures that that character will receive a raise dead spell. Mm-hmm. However, uh, any character invoking this charity forfeits all XP and rewards for that session. That kind of sucks. Mm-hmm. Um, and even those earned prior to death during that session. Mm-hmm. And they cannot replay that episode or adventure with that character again because they died during it. And then in the future, that character takes a negative four penalty to attack rolls, saving throws, and ability checks. Every time the character finishes a long rest, the penalty is reduced by one until it disappears. And then once that character reaches fifth level, this option is no longer available. Mm-hmm. So that's the actual rule for how uh, how death is handled in tier one of AL play. I mean, if you're first level, you just make a new character. Who cares? Yep. So you could even just re... Like, like, well, I'm going to pretend this character is a new character that I was playing and just give it a different name or give it the junior. Yep. Like, you could just do that. Uh, the rest of it's actually pretty harsh in a lot of ways. Yeah, I mean, having a second-level character with minus four to a pen- penalty to attack roll, saving throws, and ability checks, um, second, first, second level is hard enough as it is. Uh, having that is is rough. Yeah. Uh, so that's that's a that's brutal. Although there is that question of like, when is a long rest occur? Like when I'm between adventures. Yeah. I mean, you can you can take several long rests depending on what adventure you're playing. Mm-hmm. So, uh, you know, it's it it all depends on you know, are you playing uh, a short one hour adventure? Are you playing a four hour adventure? Are you playing the hardback? Are you playing some other sort of special uh, adventure that? that is AL legal. You know, yeah. all of those things come into play. And, uh, because if I'm between adventures, like I, I'm playing an AL four hour adventure and I died. Yeah. Why can't I just say that I took four long rests between them? Uh, cause you can only take one long rest between them. Is that what it says? Uh, I'm fairly sure that's, that's the point. Oh, okay. Yeah. I, I, I think, uh, I haven't kept up since I've been working on other things. I haven't kept up on changes to the Forgotten Realms AL rules in a while, so I, I don't know if that's if it's changed at all since then. But I think a good point that people are now realizing as we talk is that if you use Adventurers League to teach new players, there's there's another level of rules that go on top of things. There is, and it becomes the same sort of thing that we talked about earlier with the D&D rules. Introduce them slowly and introduce them only as they are needed. Um, I, I agree. Because, you know, at more the more rules you stack onto things, the harder it is for new players to understand it. You will have a subset of players who for whom convoluted rules are the point and then sure, give them all the rules because they want to go pour over those rules, absorb those rules, and you know, understand, become one with, figure out, right? Because they're puzzle people, so they want to figure these things out. And then sure, hit them with the whole document all at once. Uh, but for most players, I would say, um, adding this l- extra level of rules is a barrier to entry rather than an attraction to entry. And so go at them gently and just like with the D&D rules, introduce them only when it's totally necessary so you're not overwhelming players all at once. I would agree. Mm-hmm. Uh, also, uh, you have a really good note in here that we didn't talk about. Like if you were uh, 
doing low level play with new players and they're not using pregens, like have a session zero. Mm-hmm. That's a great. It's a great tip. Yeah. That way you can kind of walk everybody through character creation. It's right. not very. It's not all that complicated. The most complicated part, I would always think, is the uh, the stats because the stats and the modifiers often don't make sense to people that aren't that don't play a lot of games mm-hmm. and how they are, and how they uh, play out, which honestly makes it a hindrance to teaching new people how to play the game. Yeah, uh, most of the. With fifth edition, most of the the choices that you do at character creation uh, have been have been lessened. So it's not like you need a whole bunch of knowledge because you have some players who just want to do everything right. So every choice you give them becomes this anxiety producing um, decision decision tree that they want to know everything about before they make that decision. Uh, fifth edition is going to done a good job of reducing that. So use the starting equipment package, right? Use the uh, array, uh, stat array, rather than allowing for rolling. Um, you, you know, use the the package that tells you what spells you should take, uh, rather than tra- having to read over fourteen different spells to pick the best one for your wizard. You know, all of these things that make creation character creation smoother um, will help relax new players uh, who are coming in for the first time. Mm-hmm. So uh, we said all that stuff. Yeah. There, there's one more thing I want to say. Okay. Especially for, especially anybody out there that's a, that's an adventurers league DM running for, for low level stuff or, or especially new players. Mm-hmm. I, I feel like you should all make an effort to make those low level adventures as memorable as possible. Mm-hmm. I mean, figure out ways to let those characters shine, figure out ways to let them showcase themselves. And that will give those players reasons to care about their characters and keep playing D and D. Um, and it'll make them care about more than just the build that they have, because that's a thing that happens at a lot of AL tables. I've even, even though I don't sit at a ton of them now that I've been out there playing again, like that's a thing that people care about mm-hmm. and that's cool. But like, I don't know what their stories are. And that's right. to me, that's more interesting. Like, I'm glad that you have your awesome build, but what was the story of your character and how they got there? Yep. And and so if you're DMing just a home game or, you know, Adventures League organized play or something in between, there are a few things to a couple other things to keep in mind. Um, when you're running the game, give the characters, especially low level characters with new players, interesting in game and in character choices that you can then use to highlight the character's story arc. Not the story's plot, but the, their own your own character's story arcs. This is good because it gets them thinking in terms of their character and it's highlighting their story over the story that you as the DM are just telling. Mm-hmm. Right. So those are good in character choices. Right. What would your character, your character sees an, an urchin in the street begging for money? What would your character do? Do you throw him a copper piece? Do you insult him and tell him to get a job? You know, <laughs> these these things. The, I shouldn't so, laugh. It's not funny. But. No, it's not. But you know, the, the, this is a good way for a player to understand the character that they are creating, right? Um, how do they react to certain situations? <laughs> By the way, I laugh at that because I've seen those players do that before, and I just shake sure. my head. Yeah. And and you know that's that's fine. That's that's the character being the character. So that's that's a good in character choice, a good in game in character choice. 
what you want to avoid at low levels. And I've seen DMs and creators with a penchant to try this are highly contrived ethical or moral choices that are more, um, more in the realm of philosophy than of storytelling. Uh, so like avoid the is killing a cobalt child evil uh, debate because what that does is that takes a character um, decision and makes it more propaganda than character choice, right? It makes it more a philosophical argument that has been raging for decades than it does. What would your character do? Um, because then this is a, this is a question that is unanswerable. Is it right or wrong? Mm-hmm. Um, it's not a character choice. It is a philosophical argument. Yeah. Avoid and- those if you can, um, especially with new players and low level characters, because if, if it turns, if a new player comes to the game and after the first hour, the next two hours are people arguing about whether it's you know morally or ethically right to kill the offspring of an evil race. Here, here we go. Right. That's not necessarily what people want. They want to tell their own stories. They want to, to be, to inhabit their character and do these things. So keep those choices that are in game, things that, you know, are story focused, story arc focused for the character and not philosophical. So, and same thing with like alignment debates. Would a lawful good character do this? Would a lawful evil character do that? Just avoid that. Uh, I'm with you. Yeah, Yeah. absolutely. You can save that for like later. Yeah. Yeah. If you want to get into that, that's fine. But, teach the game and and get the character get the players involved in the game first also if you really want to do that kind of storytelling stuff it's for later and when you start introducing foils to characters that highlight those ideals mm-hmm. so you yeah know. And, and and the last pitfall i want dms you know to be aware of when you have a low level play and new players is you want to be liberal liberal with rewards but stingy with treasure Really? Why don't you explain that, Sean? Because I, w- uh, I would love to hear it. I would. Okay. So players love rewards, right? P- we as people love positive reinforcement for when we do well. So we want rewards. Treasure, to me, is something separate from rewards. Treasure is a subset of rewards, um, but not all rewards are treasure. Treasure is something that can unbalance a game but we all as dms have this want to reward people and so a you know a high a lot of magic at too low a level can become problematic later in the campaign too much gold early in a campaign can unbalance things later so think about rewards that you can give the characters and the players whether it be for their character or actually for the player themselves in some ways that would give that positive reinforcement without being something that's unbalancing later. So rewards could be instead of giving them the plus three sword at second level, right? Give them a sword with a name and a backstory, but not magical. 
that is still something that's memorable. It's still something that can be very important to the story, but it's not something that can be unbalancing down the road. Especially if it becomes magical when you bathe it in the blood of a red dragon. Precisely. That's what I mean by, by story, right? Having a cool story behind it that can be quests all on their own, that can um, be a family heirloom for your for your character or for someone else's uh, you know, family heirloom that now you have. And what does that mean? You found this sword. It's beautiful and it's you know made of silver and it's all of these things um and people start noticing it when you walk through the city and they're pointing at you and talking about it you know that's cool it has a story focused behind it it can later become something um much more important but it's not an overpowered sword that's going to to wreck your campaign later when the characters all have these super powerful weapons that do all these super powerful things. So yeah, I'm, I'm in, I'm into it. Yeah. That's just my, uh, my experience with low level, um, tendencies from certain DMS or content creators, including myself sometimes. In other words, don't, don't be like me because I've don't. done all of those things, uh, that you're talking about. Yeah, and yeah, anybody successfully, yeah. but you, you have to like, you're going for a very specific feel when you do that stuff. Yeah. Yeah. Any DM who's DM for many years and, and many campaigns has probably had this experience and, and can tell you horror stories about what happened when they did. See, when you give characters too much gold, so. Now that you've mentioned those things, because mm-hmm. there's probably people out there like, you could totally do them. Like, yes, you can. And mm-hmm. here's how you, here are a couple of ways to do that. Right. If you give people a ton of gold, then they become noticeable as having a ton of gold and everybody wants their gold. Yeah. The gold now, becomes as much of a problem as a boon. Yep. So, so what you're, what, what we're talking about is here, here's a pitfall. We're telling you, trust us. A next episode could be, if you did this. Yeah. There are ways to fix it. <laughs> uh-huh. Yeah. But uh, we're just about out of time for this episode, so we're going to take the Epics Interactives and other non-traditional gameplay into the sneak attack, I think. That's a great idea, Chris. All right. Well, let's, uh, once again, thank you, everybody, for such a great year. It's been a wonderful year of Down With D&D, um, and especially you patrons out there. Thank you so much for listening and patroning, uh, patronizing us. Patronizing us? That's not the right word, is it, Sean? Yeah. Patroning us? I patronizing sounds fine to me. Yeah, you're you're probably right. <laughs> Anyways, let's do some Patreon shoutouts. Uh the rest of the Royal Court. John C. LeMay, the guard at the end of the world, John Carney, the court necromancer, Kevin Lovecraft, the Royal Beard, Merrick Blackman, the Royal D and D reviewer, Mike Dinos, the Inquisitor of Mark, PK Sullivan, uh the Queen's Royal Rocketeer, Richard Wyatt, the captain of the Royal Airship Fleet, Rob Abrazado, the Gauntlet of the Queen, Schmitty, the Keeper of the Labyrinth, Toby Sennett, the Baron of Britannia, and Todd Crapper, the Prophet of Probability. By the way, did you know that we had an airship fleet? I did not. I, we do. We should probably take an airship one of these days. It'd be pretty neat. That would be. Anyway, speaking of patrons, if you'd like to be a patron of Down with D&D, you can click on the link to our Patreon page on the website, and for a paltry $2 a month, you can get yourself a shout-out. Or for $4 a month, you get that shout-out, and you also get to see our show notes. And you get access to our Misdirected Mark Slack room, where you can pester us with questions, and it's not a bother at all because we love to talk about D&D. Mm-hmm. Or, Chris, now, for $1 a month, you know what you get? Sneak attacked? Yeah, you get sneak attacked. Well, you don't actually get sneak attacked. You get access to the sneak attack section of our show where we talk further about D&D-related topics. Yeah, we did a whole lot on the character 
unearthed arcana options. Uh, mm-hmm. We're not going to talk about that today, but you know we'll, we'll continue talking about that when we come back for the new year. Yep. You know, if if you want to help us, but you can't help us monetarily, you can do so by giving us a review, especially on Apple I, uh, Apple Podcasts. That's a great place to do it. Yeah, any uh, of the podcatchers use Apple Podcasts usually to rate and rank and review shows. So just pop on over there to Apple Podcast, find our show, and let us know what you think. We would appreciate it very much. But, you know, I mean, you could re- review us on Podbean or, you know, Stitcher or wherever, really. Wherever you listen. Just just yell from the mountaintops, mm-hmm. go on Twitter and, and tweet at us. Well, yep. We appreciate all of it. We certainly do. Uh, Sean, buddy old pal, where can we find you on the Internet? Uh, the best place where I hang out most is Twitter, uh, where I am at Sean Merwin. Or we have forums. Did you know that, Chris? We had forums at forums.misdirectedmark.com where we take questions or comments or discussions of the various topics uh, that we talk about on D&D and completely different ones. Yeah, I actually knew that because I was there earlier today talking to people. There you go. I go there. I go to the forums. Uh, you can hit me up on the Internet at the Light 101 or at the aforementioned forums. I, I do get emails for like every forum on there when they get posted to. Um, also, you can go to at misdirected Mark on Twitter if you want the network Twitter, and that will get generally forwarded to me and Sean. Uh, you know, if you want to listen to this show and you don't have a podcatcher or you're listening to it on, on the Internet, there's like uh, YouTube. We, we're on YouTube, so mm-hmm. like you can listen to us there, plus a bunch of other shows mm-hmm. in Misdirected Mark, such as Bonestone Obsidian. That's where Wayne and Robert take monthly deep dives into the Dark Sun setting and discuss it across all editions of D&D. Down with D&D is a Misdirected Mark production, the media arm of encoded designs. So what are we going to do now, Sean? We're going to go kill those monsters that haunted us in 2019 and look forward to facing the monsters of 2020. Yeah, yeah. You're down with D&D. Yeah, you know me. You're down with D&D. Yeah. Hey, Down with D&D fans. It's me, your friendly neighborhood editor, Jesse. Um, I know I don't talk usually on the show and because uh, they do their thing, but I wanted to... Um, Drop by and say Happy New Year, and thank you all for being awesome this year. It was a rough year for me, so um, I just wanted to thank you all and uh, let you know that I, too, have some gaming resolutions for the year. Um, I want to play and run more Dungeons & Dragons, just like Sean does. Um, I also want to teach more Dungeons & Dragons, just like Sean and Chris both do. Um, And I also uh, want to play more games in general. Um, and teach people uh, some of my improv skills for for gaming uh, because I, I do that sometimes. So um, I just wanted to drop that in. Check out my show, The Lounge. That's another resolution. I want to get more lounge out there um, a little bit better than I did this past season. Um, so check that out. The third season should be coming out uh, in, a, in a couple months. And um, from all of us at Misdirected Mark... Happy holidays, happy new year, and we will see you in 2020. You're down with D&D. Yeah, you know me. You're down with D&D. Yeah, you know me. You're down with D&D. Yeah, you know me. You're down with D&D. You're down with D&D. You're down with D&D. Yeah, you know me. You're down with D&D. Yeah, you know me. I'm down with D&D. Yeah, you know me. Who's down with D&D?